right, if you're looking good today, say amen. amen. If you're not looking good, say amen. That's one of you. Amen. Amen. Well, hey, I got uh, just one verse of Scripture for you today. And that verse of Scripture comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1, where the Bible reminds believers, listen carefully, For we know that if our earthly house, this tent, is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Did you get that? We have this earthly tent, our bodies, which one day will be destroyed. But we also have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Can I tell you, there ain't no place like home. Amen? There ain't no place like home. And I believe that every person ought to have at least three homes. I believe that you ought to have a heavenly home. I believe that you ought to have a Christian home, and I believe you ought to have a church home. And here's the reasons. The heavenly home is where you should spend eternity. Amen? Uh, the Christian home is where you should spend precious time with your family. But the church home is where every child of God, every Christian, should become a part of the local body of Christ. It's interesting to me that when a person becomes assured of his or her heavenly home, the first thing they deeply desire to do is to create a Christian home and also become a part of a church home. Friends, there ain't no place like home. Now, knowing that your eternity is secure it should affect how you live now, and it should affect how you live for the rest of your life. It is important that you do that. But when you boil it all down, when you boil it all down, there are really just three things that we ought to strive for. The first of which is you ought to strive for a happy heart. A happy heart. In Psalm 144, verse 15, the Bible says, Happy are the people whose God is Lord. Happy are the people whose only one and true God is the Lord Jehovah God. Happy is that person. Of course, we all know that happiness depends on what happens. Therefore, real happiness is always conditional on something. Real happiness always depends on something. What is the condition for a happy heart? What are the conditions that I have to have in place in order to have this happy heart whose God is Lord? Well, the first condition is this. Salvation is imperative. Salvation is imperative. Friend, at any time, your life on earth might end. At any moment, your life on earth might end. Whew. You made it through that moment, amen? But there's another one coming. Friend, if you are uncertain 
about your eternity, then you should have a very difficult time relaxing. For one to have a truly happy heart, he must fully trust and believe that Jesus did what he promised he said he'd do, that he died as payment for you and for me and our sins, that he buried them in a borrowed grave, and then he defeated death and sin by being gloriously resurrected three days later. Friends, being saved is imperative. It is an imperative condition to a happy heart, to God being your Lord. There is a second condition I want to share with you. Second condition for a happy heart is that sacrifice is inescapable. It's strange to me that words like sacrifice, words like cost, price, um, words like demand, give, go, are synonymous in the scriptures with sacrifice. It's it, it strikes me as a little bit odd that it's those kinds of words that lead to happiness. But Jesus said it. He said that the way to live is to die. And the way to have is to give. The word said, whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake shall find it. Friends, sacrifice is inescapable. But there's a third condition for a happy heart, and that is that separation should be included. Happiness depends a whole lot about who you run with. Happiness depends a lot upon who you're running with. Those who hang around worldly influences will be influenced and become worldly. Paul wrote to the Corinthians, Do not be deceived, friend. Bad company corrupts good character. And truer words were never written in Scripture. But if you want happiness that comes from being godly, then you need to start walking with God. If you want happiness that comes from being spiritual, then you've got to walk in the Spirit and not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Words like, come out from among them. Do not be conformed to the world. Love not the world. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness are all words that the Bible uses to show God's desire, friend, that you separate yourself from sinful activities that try to rob your happiness. Separation should be included. Do you want a happy heart? Do you want a happy heart? Then make sure Jesus lives there. Make sure, friend, that you have a surrendered living sacrifice and be sure that you live separated from the world and its ways. But there's something else you should strive for. Not only a happy heart, you should also strive for a harmonious home. Home is very important. Peace, love, harmony, 
Boy, those words are, are all so important to the home. In fact, they're worth more than gold to the home. When you're tired, when you're sick, when you're discouraged, friend, there ain't no place like home. Amen? And it's not the carpet. It's not the, the furniture. It's not the fancy brick. No, it's the love that counts. What is it that makes a soldier desire to come home from Afghanistan? What is it that makes a, a soldier from Afghanistan hunger to come home? Man, he's just looking for a little peace. She's just looking for a little love back with the family again. So the harmony that we're looking for at home is so important. That harmony is found in time spent with family. Home is where the family is. Home is where our closest relationships are. Home is where the heart is. Home is where love is shared. Home is where I can let down my guard and relax a little bit. Home, friend, is where we can laugh together. Home is where we can learn together. Home is where we can draw strength from one another. And all those things bring a spirit of harmony into the home. But home is also found when fathers take their role seriously. Here we go. God has appointed fathers to set the spiritual example for the family. When I'm doing marital counseling, I speak more to the husband or the husband-to-be than I ever do the bride. Because all the weight falls on his shoulders. When, when fathers neglect their role and set a bad example, they are setting their families up for failure. It all falls on the fathers. So conversely, when the father boldly stands uh, for godly principles and Christ-like values, then all of a sudden you can expect the family to follow suit. When the father takes a bold stand for Christ-like values, now you can expect the family to flourish. When the father takes a bold stand for godly principles, then you can expect to enjoy that happiness that God intended for the family. Harmony is found when fathers take their role seriously. But I want to tell you something that's real clear. Something that's real clear. The Lord holds the father ultimately responsible for a harmonious home. You know, Eve may have sinned first in the Garden of Eden, but after she sinned, who did God come looking for? Adam. Amen? Fathers must take their role seriously in order to enjoy a harmonious home. Time spent with family, fathers that take their role seriously, but harmony is also found in the home that is faithfully dedicated. Families can expect happiness when parents lead the way in church attendance, when they lead the way in family worship, when they lead the way in consistent day in and day out living. And when each part of that family is doing its part, then they're serving the Lord, they're cooperating together, and guess what the result is? Harmony. Peace. That is what God desires. But, the moment that one part of that family, one part of the family turns self-centered, then the whole family is adversely affected. Homes where 
families work as a team, where families help one another, they're the ones that tend to be the happiest. So you're looking for harmony. Our heavenly home comes from a heart that's happy in Jesus. Our Christian home comes from families that truly love one another, that tr- where fathers accept their role as the spiritual leader, and where friend, where each member of the family is faithfully dedicated to the family as a whole, not just the one part. But not only should we strive for a happy heart, not only should we strive for a harmonious home, friend, we ought to strive for a healthy church. We should all be about the business of striving for a healthy church. Friends, strength in the local church does not come by accident. It comes by people being intentional, by people putting forth the attempt and putting forth the effort to make a healthy church. And if the church is to be healthy, then we're going to have to follow certain steps. First, there's got to be plain preaching. Plain preaching. Paul said to Timothy, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. What does he mean there? He said, preach the word whether the people like it or whether they don't. Preach the word. You see, way back when, y'all may remember that kids hated castor oil. Amen? But it did the trick, right? Once they got it down, it did the trick. It's sad to say, friend, but medicine is not the only thing that's been sugar-coated since that day. Sadly, much preaching in our day has been made pretty tolerable, without objection. Don't want to hurt nobody's feelings. You don't want to put somebody out. But I think that preachers ought to get fighting mad when somebody comes up to them at the end of the service and says, and say, Pastor, that sure was a nice sermon. I don't want to preach a nice sermon. I don't want to preach a nice sermon. Friend, I may not be politically correct, but I'm going to be biblically correct. Amen? And sometimes being biblically correct steps on toes. Sometimes being biblically correct gets in my, gets in my grill and it causes change. Friend, I want the Word of God to cause change. But not only must there be plain preaching, but there better be people praying. People praying in order to have a healthy church. No no power, or no prayer, no power. Little prayer, little power. Much prayer, much power. The Lord Jesus rose up a great while before daybreak and went out to pray alone. Do you know why he went out to pray alone? Because he needed some power. And that was the source of his power, was the prayer. So, friend, how much do you pray? How long do you pray? How often do you pray? A healthy church is going to have praying people. And if you're honest with yourself, as I've had to be honest with myself in this message, I'm not praying enough, long enough, or often enough. 
in order for the church to be healthy. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. What does avails much mean? It means it'll have great power and it'll produce wonderful results. Plain preaching. People praying. But healthy churches also better have personal participation. So, are you a member of a local body of Christ? Some here have a heavenly home. Some here may even have a Christian home, but for one reason or another, they don't have a church home. Brother Bill, why is it so important to become a member? Isn't it okay just to be a regular attender? And I thought about that question. And I said, well, think of a couple in love. They're in love, and you know they're pretty serious about their love because they move in together. But God says, no, I require more of a commitment than that. I require marriage before you move in together. Membership in a church is commitment. It's commitment. It's like marrying your best girl before you move in with her. It's a commitment. Now, I've heard some say, well, I'm a member of the invisible church. And I know what they're talking about. They're a member of the body of Christ, the universal church, as it were. I know what they mean. But the Bible is absolutely clear about the command to be a part of a local assembly. The Bible says, stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together. It sounds like somebody's telling me something, amen? But sadly, these people who focus on the invisible church, when you look at their life, it also seems like they have invisible attendance records. It seems like they give invisible offerings. It also seems like they make invisible nursing home visits. And they don't accomplish very much that's visible in the spiritual life. But honestly, if you think about it, you've got to respect somebody like that. Hey, I ain't ready for a commitment yet. I'm not ready for a commitment yet. Then that's okay. If you're not ready, hey, if you're not ready for that kind of commitment, that's okay. It, just attend until you know what God wants you to do. But friend, listen here. Once you have determined that God has made it clear that you're to belong to a, a body of Christ, as long as you've determined that this is where he wants you, then, friend, I want you to make a commitment. And I can't think of a better time to make a commitment than on our 105th anniversary, our 105th homecoming. 
declare this to be your church home. Now, I know that some of you are, have church homes in other places, and that's perfectly fine. Uh, you're not the ones that I'm talking about. But many have a heavenly home. They got a Christian home, but they ain't got no church home. And here's some great news. We here at Bethel, when you make a commitment, we also make a, a commitment to you. That commitment is a two-way street. Friend, at that point, when you commit here, the Bethel family stands ready to make our strongest return commitment right back at you. Through thick and thin. We're in this together. We're a family. See, the church is so much more than an organization. The church is a living, breathing organism. It's living. It's alive. And it relies completely on each one of its members in order to survive. Friend, do you belong to a church home? So if you're ready, today you can join and become an official part of this local assembly. 105 years old. Can you imagine how neat it would be for you to take your place as God has led you in a church that is 105 years old? Now, here's some things you need to know. There are two main philosophies about what to look for in a church. The first philosophy is this, a consumer mentality. This person looks mostly at what the church can offer them, right? Uh, the main question for this person that has this consumer mentality is, what can you do for me? And honestly, you should be certain that this is a place where you can grow and where you can thrive. But there's also a contributor mentality. This person... It's just a child of God that wants to make a difference. This person just wants to make a difference. And belonging to a church family, they realize they can make a difference. The main question for this person is, what might I do for the glory of God here? See, they know that God's will includes far more than what's in it for me. It's what can I do for the glory of God in this place? Matter of fact, they know that they receive the most when they're giving of their time, their talents, and their treasures, believing God's going to take it, use it, and glorify himself with it when you offer it. I believe that God agrees with philosophy number two, that contributor mentality. At Bethel, you can be blessed by coming to a church where Christians have sacrificed and built something good for 105 years. A lot of blood, sweat, and tears has gone into building this church of Christ. But you can be doubly blessed by coming to a church where you know they want to join forces with you. They want to join forces with you in becoming a part of the solution to man's greatest problem. You know what that is? An eternity without God. 
That's the whole, whole reason we exist, is to help people find their eternity with God. So friend, do you know that you know that you have a heavenly home? That's the most important question today. If not, you can make sure today. During this invitation, if you'll come forward, I'll share from you from the scriptures what the Bible says about making sure that a heavenly home belongs to you. And then once you do that, guess what? You can be CEO and president of a Christian home. You can start your own Christian home. But you can also ask yourself this question. Do you have a church home? Have you joined and become a member of a church home? Friend, if God were to lead you today here, would you follow? Would you follow? Let me pray that you will. Father in heaven, I thank you so much for home. Oh, Lord, there's no place like home. And Lord, I pray today in the name of Jesus that every person in this room can know without a shadow of a doubt that they have a heavenly home. Having received the grace of God through faith and trust alone in Jesus Christ, and Lord, I pray that not only the new Christians would create a Christian home, but even the, the, the believers that have been believers for a long time that realize that perhaps their, their homes aren't Christian homes. Lord, I pray that you'd speak to them about what your word says about creating a, a harmonious home. But Lord, I know that there are many in this room that don't have a church home. They believe and they may even attend regularly but they've never made that commitment. They've always provided that way out. Lord, I'm praying today for you to speak to them about what you would have them to do. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that before everyone leaves this room today, they would know that they have a heavenly home, a Christian home, and yes, indeed, a church home. Father, we thank you for creating the church, and we know you did it for our benefit. And I pray in Jesus' name that each one here would just respond and allow that truth and that blessing to enter their lives. Lord, we love you. We thank you most of all for Jesus and the blood that he shared, shed on Calvary's cross. And as Keith said, for that glorious resurrection. Lord, we love you and we thank you for first loving us. And we lift this prayer in Jesus' holy name. And all God's people said, Amen.